Let's open our Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to look at this verse today, uh, and then uh, we, the plan is that we're going to do the book of Obadiah, which is only one chapter, and then after that we're going to start in on 1 Timothy, and uh, as we've been doing back and forth, but... Uh, <clears throat> In between, I like to sneak some uh, some special studies in there, and, and this week and next week, I want to talk about uh, some related things. First uh, Peter chapter three, verse fifteen. It says, "But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason." For the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. There is something about these verses, and, and, I, and I really believe that this is a subject that we need to be uh, talking about. Because I think as, as we go through this life, as we go through this world, people will ask questions. They do want to know why. Why we believe. Why we have any hope at all. Why would we have any hope? It just doesn't seem right. But I think, I think that uh, you and I need to think about these things. And that's what Peter is saying here today. And you say, well, I'm not an intellectual. I'm not, you know, um, this or that. But Peter, Peter was a fisherman. Keep that in mind. He was a, a rough and tumble guy. But he says, you know, we need to be prepared. We need to have an answer. We need to be able to answer everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope. We need to have a reason for the hope that we have. And people, I believe, will ask. People are watching us. People are wondering, what is it in our lives that makes us any different from somebody else? And people are watching. So my question, the first question I have today is, if someone asked you, why do you have any hope? What would you tell them? Would you be prepared? Would you have an answer? What would you say to them? It's an important question to, to think about, isn't it? The first thing I want to make sure, though, before we even go any further is all, is that do you have any hope? Well, if you don't have any hope, they're not going to ask you if you have any hope, right? They're going to say, well, you know, that person looks just as glum and hopeless as I do. So why would I ask them what, you know, for any answers about this life? Why would I ask them for any kind of, you know, instruction or help? So you and I need to come, first of all, for ourselves. We need to come to this place where we understand what hope is. And hope, the way the Bible defines hope, is this. Confident expectation. It's not like wishful thinking, which is the way we define hope in the world. But the, the, when the Bible talks about hope is a person who has confident expectation. Expectation about what? Expectation about the fact that Jesus keeps his promises. Confident expectation that Jesus is faithful, that he keeps his word. And confident expectation that you and I, who have trusted in Jesus, we're going to heaven and we're going to be there forever and ever and ever. That we have eternal life. In Titus chapter 1 my thing is not working. Here it goes. Titus chapter 1, it says, A faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. 
We have this faith, we have this knowledge, but it's resting on this hope of eternal life. So when people say, why do you have any hope at all? What, what is it about you? You say, well, I have hope of eternal life. You say, well, you know, where does that come from? Did you just make that up? Is it based on anything? Or is it just some kind of a weird thing where you were, you know, you were uh, in some kind of a trance and you just got this idea? No, he says it's based on what God promised. And God who cannot lie, who does not lie, he promised before the beginning of time. Notice in our verse in 1 Peter chapter 3 that he says there that in your hearts, the first thing he says is this, in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. In your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Before we're ever going to have any answer for anybody, it's, it's important. Number one, that we have hope. But number two, that we're in a, a relationship with him where we call him Lord. Where he's the one who's in charge. And again, we don't use that uh, word Lord in our society much except when it comes to God. In England, you have the, you know, the, the parliament, you have the House of Lords, and these guys, they call them lords because they have all this power or whatever, and people uh, recognize that. But in the Bible, again, the Bible talks about Lord as one who's in charge, one who rules, one who is master, one who, who calls the shots. And, and again, for you and I to bow the knee before him and say, you are Lord. Where does it take place? It says here that it takes place where? In our hearts. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. In the deepest parts of who we are, in our hearts, that's where we need to come to that place where we know and we believe and we trust that Jesus is Lord. Every single day we get up and say, Lord, you are Lord. You you think about, again, Peter, you know, he went to uh, Jesus and Jesus was talking about going to the cross, right? And what did he do? He went to Jesus. What did he tell him? No, Lord, you're not going to go do that. You see, you can't really put those two words together when it comes in relation to Jesus. That's what what do they call that? Oxymoron. And when we do that, that's exactly what we are. Morons. When we say to God, no, Lord, that's you can't put those two together. It has to be yes, Lord. So he went to him and said, no way, you're going to the cross. And he said, you know, get behind me, Satan. And you're like, you're, you're being inspired by Satan right here, right now. In your hearts, he says, set apart Christ as Lord. Have you done that? That's very important. Have you called upon Jesus Christ as Lord? Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? If we do, if we've gotten to that place, if we know that we have some kind of hope, the hope that's based on what God has promised, eternal life. See, our hope isn't just in this world, but we have a hope that we look forward to. So he says here, in your heart set apart, set apart Christ as Lord. And then he says, once, we, once we're in that right place, once we have that hope, once we call him Lord and we truly have him in our hearts as Lord, he says, then always be prepared to give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer. Always be ready. He wants us to be ready. You know what? I, I read an interesting book about, you know, children who 
who get to their high school years and they get to college years and, and, and this per person's uh, uh, proposition was that they weren't really ready. They didn't really know what they believed and why they believed it. And they, they faced disaster in many cases. Now, you know, you and I are, are really no different. You and I really need to know why we believe. We need to know what we believe. And so he says to always be prepared. Always be ready. We know a lot of things about a lot of things, but do we know what we believe? Do we know why we believe it? Is it based upon uh, truth? Paul said to Timothy, and we'll get to this at some point in time, he said, be prepared in season and out of season. Whenever, and whenever a situation might arise, are you prepared? Do you know what it is that you are talking about? Say, well, I don't, you know, I'm not a preacher. I don't really need to know. No, we're all preachers, really. We're all, we're all people who can share the truth and the light. And, and I think Orlando uh, said something about that, that you and I, while we're here, we're to be these lights. But we need to know what we're talking about. Again, it, it's, not, it's not, I'm not talking about us all being intellectuals and, 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 uh, and some of us are intellectuals, not me, but some of you are. And, and that's good too, but we're each different. But we, but we need to know for ourselves what it is to be prepared in season and out of season, whenever the time might come up. And, and I want to say to you, though, that he says to have Christ set apart as Lord, but then he talks about this idea of being prepared to give an answer. It's not just the heart, but it also includes the mind. It, it is not a blind faith, I want to say, but it's a reasonable faith. When I say reasonable, it's, it's something you can reason. You can use your mind. We don't just say, you know, I just believe it and I don't really know why I believe it. I just blindly stumble ahead. No, we believe, but it's based on truth. It's based on different factors. It's based on different things. And he says here that we should be prepared to give an answer. To, to, to give an answer for the hope that we have. Blind faith is not a good idea, right? Right? But to have, oops, to have a, an answer for people that people would ask us, be ready to give an answer for the hope. Now, what people, there's a whole subject, there's a whole category that this is relating to in terms of, <clears throat> of uh, well, there's a title for it. It's a whole field, really. Does anybody know what it's called? Apologetics, Apologetics right. And, and this word where he says here, always be prepared to give an answer. This word answer is the, is the Greek word apologia, which is where we get our word apologetics. And it's not the same as apology. We're not giving an apology in the sense of the way we understand the word apology, right? We're giving an apologetic, which means a defense. We are giving a defense. We're prepared to, to defend our faith. We're prepared to defend our hope because if we're really not ready to 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 give an answer and someone comes along and starts shooting us down, what's that going to do to us? You see, I believe in apologetics, number one, for ourselves. Number two, for the people that ask. See, did you, did you understand what I mean? 
I believe it's important for us to, to, for us to remain strong because we know why we believe. And secondly, for those people that would ask. This subject, though, it's, it's huge. And, and, you know, used to be, you know, you, you, you'd have trouble finding the answers. But right now, the answers are all right at our fingertips, literally. Is that true? Where? On the Internet, right. It's in the Bible, too. But, but I, mean, I mean, it's right there for us nowadays. You can go to your, your, uh, your search whether you use Google or Yahoo or whoever you like to use, and you can punch in Christian apologetics, and you will be astounded at the, the amount of information. Some of it is, is so deep, you know, you, you, you may not be prepared to read it all. I know some of it is like it would take days and weeks to read it, and others is very accessible. And depending on who you are, there's something there for you. If we're not sure about something, just do a search about it. If you have a difficult question, if someone's asked you a difficult question, say, well, you know, I'm not sure. Because usually it's somebody that you're going to see again. It's not that chance meeting. It's usually someone that knows you. Say, well, you know what, I'm not sure about that, but you know what, I'll go check it out. I'll go, I'll go research that a little bit. Say, well, I don't like to do research. He says, be prepared. Peter the fisherman, be prepared to answer the difficult question. It says uh, in, in the great Wikipedia, which, you know, Wikipedia has all the answers too, you know. But they say this, just under the subject of apologetics, they say speaking in defense is the, di- is the discipline of defending a position, often religious, through the systematic use of information. You've got to get some information. If you don't know the answer, find the answer. Check it out. They go on to say this. Apologists have based their defense of Christianity on historical evidence, on philosophical arguments, and arguments from other disciplines. And others, as I'll say in a few minutes. Do you know of, do you know of any apologists? Can, you, can anybody? Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias is an apologist, right? Any, any others come to mind? Geisler. Who? Norman Geisler. Norman Geisler is an apologist, right? Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell. Was Walter Martin? Walter Martin, yes. How about Paul the Apostle? Yeah. The most brilliant apologist, I think. Yeah. Any others? Francis Schaeffer. Lee Strobel. How about a guy named Blaise Pascal? Anybody heard of him before? He was a mathematician. He was a physicist. And he was a philosopher. Well, let me read to you what he wrote. He said this, Men despise religion. They hate it. And they fear it is true. To remedy this, we must begin by showing that religion is not contrary to reason. That's powerful. It's not just some blind faith, just some stupid whim that I'm believing. No, I'm believing the faith based on facts and history and on the Word of God. And then he says that it is venerable to inspire respect for it. And then we must make it lovable to make good men 
hope it is true, finally, we must prove it is true. There's Blaise Pascal in the 1600s. He's the guy that said, you know, that within every person, there is a God-shaped hole within us that only God can fill. One more quote from Wikipedia, and I like this too. He says, many a Christian apologist also note, this is from uh, the category Christian apologetics, many Christian apologists also note, however, that the gospel is the best defense and living a life according to the tenets of Jesus' teachings is the best argument. The gospel and your lives, my life. Because if they don't add up, it's not, you know, we're just speaking words, right? If, we, if we're not uh, <clears throat> speaking the truth and living the truth. R.C. Sproul, he's another one. How many of you heard of him? He's another apologist as well as a preacher. But he talks about this verse in 1 Peter 3.15. He says this, The defense of the faith is not a luxury or intellectual vanity. He says it is a task appointed by God that you should be able to give a reason for the hope that is in you as you bear witness before the world. It's not a luxury. We need to know why we believe. We need to know what we believe. We need to know why we have any hope. Does apologetics save people? No, I don't think so. might answer their questions. It can help some people... Again, but you cannot argue someone into the kingdom of God. You can't do it. Beginning, as I said, the first thing that I think is important is for ourselves. And then for others. So number one, what is our hope based on? Well, I want to say this, that it's based upon the Bible. It's based upon the scripture. Because this is really where we start. Now, it's not our only Basis, but it is the strongest and the first basis that we base our faith and hope upon. Next week, I'm going to talk about why we can trust the Bible. So we're going to talk just about that. Why do we trust the Bible? Can we trust the Bible? Is it a book that we can trust? But God's Word, this is the foundation. It's got to be the foundation. The questions that we ask and the questions that people will, will, will ask and statements they'll make is, you know, well, how, how do you know that it's God's Word? And where did it come from? Can we trust it? And, and those kinds of questions. But I, I want to say that we, we, we put a, a very high priority on God's Word here. It's because that is our foundation. Because, because the Bible says that it is living and active. It's quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword, able to pierce even to the dividing uh, asunder of soul and spirit, to get right into the heart of people. This Word of God is very powerful. This is, this is what we base our hope upon, the promises of God that are found in this book. Absolutely essential. It is the foundation, and again, we'll, we'll talk a, a lot more about that next week. That's number one. It's, a, it's an objective uh, foundation built upon this book. But, but you know, this, this hope that we have is also subjective as well. 
It's an objective faith, but it's also a subjective faith where, where, where we have a, a life, have our, have our lives been changed, our own testimony. The fact that God has done, done something in our lives that, that we have this testimony of a changed heart. Well, you know, the fact that I, I do know God in my life. It's not just some um, intellectual thing. But I know inside my heart, I know inside my life that, that God has done something for me. He's changed my life. I can say that without a shadow of a doubt. If someone asks me, what, you know, what's going on? Well, number one, the Bible says that Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus died on a cross for our sins. The Bible says that he rose from the dead. And that if we put our trust in him, he'll save us. He'll do work. But, but, but I can also say, you know what, and I did that. I trusted in what Jesus did. And, and you know what? He, he did what he said he would do. He saved me. He took me up out of the mire and the muck and the pit that I was in. And he saved me and he changed my life. And he has given me hope that I never had before. And he's been faithful to me for 30 some odd years. I can, I can give my story, my testimony. It talks about defeating the enemy in the book of Revelation. How did they do it? They did it, number one, by the blood of the Lamb and by what else? The word of their testimony because they knew the truth and they experienced the truth. Have you experienced the truth? You can share that with somebody. Why, why do you have any hope? Well, number one, the Bible says this. And number two, I know it by experience. I know it in my own life. Now, I want to be careful about that because some people, that's all they talk about is their own experience. It's not based upon anything. Your experience and my experience must be based upon the foundation of the Word of God. Or we're just like going off weird stuff. A lot of people have a lot of experiences, don't they? It doesn't mean that it's based on the truth. Number three, we have the Word of God, we have our own testimony of truth, but number three, we have history as well to look at. The historical facts of the Christian faith. The, the historical facts of, of, of the history of the church. You know, the, this is not something brand new, right? This, this is something that has stood the test of time. This is the history of the church that Jesus Christ came and he, he changed the whole world. The whole world was changed more by this one man than any other person in history. People will argue with you about that, but that's foolish. It's foolishness to argue. Jesus Christ changed the world just as much as he changed my heart, just as much as he changed me. He changed the world. How can you argue with that? Well, you can but again, see what I'm talking about? I'm talking about having some information. You've thought about this. People ask you, you know, you know, why would you even believe that? Well, think about it for a minute here. Use that thing. You say that to the kids sometimes. You know, you, you got something up here. You need to use that thing up there. Right? It's a reasonable faith. There's historical facts. But not only that, in the history of the church that... that that people have lived and died for the truth. They've given their lives because of the truth of Jesus Christ. There are other uh, reasons as well, philosophical uh, and 
other arguments that speak about, you know, the existence of God, important things. Depends on who you're talking to, right? Somebody asks you, you know, why do you have any hope? And, and they, just want to, they just want to know, they want some hope in their lives. You're not going to launch into some, you know, five-hour philosophical argument. And they're going to go like, sorry, you know, I just wanted some hope in my life. You know, I thought you might have something to tell me that would give me some hope. But then there might be someone else who is very, you know, inclined in that direction. And you need to do a little homework and find out, you know, what you're talking about. Always be prepared, ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with what? With gentleness and respect. You know, I've found that you can't force, you can't force it on anyone. You can't. It just doesn't work. We try sometimes, you know. It doesn't work. Well, we, what can we do is we can pray for them. We can love them. We can share the truth with them. Be prepared. Be ready. Because you never know when that opportunity is going to spark up. You never know when someone's going to say, like, what? Those opportunities, they come, you know, at the, the, sometimes I think the oddest times, right? When all of a sudden somebody asks you a question, you go like, wait a minute. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have, I don't have my Bible study ready. But, you know, those are the opportunities that, that God, I think, brings into our lives that we need to be ready for when, like Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. Why do you have any hope? What do you base it on? What do you believe? Why do you believe that? You just come up that without yourself? No. But first we pray. Talked uh, quite a few months back about praying for souls, you know, and and I and I hope that you're still praying for souls. I th- and again, just pick one or two or three people and pray for them who don't know Jesus. Pray, and and I find that you need to be a little creative to do this because you can't say the same prayer every day. You get kind of like repetitious, right? But pray for them that you know today that God would show them His love. Pray for them tomorrow that he would unblind their eyes. Pray for them the day after. And again, to be creative praying for people because that's what's going to make a difference. That's what's going to make a difference. I've seen God answering prayers along these lines. It's crazy. I'm just trying to decide whether I should share some of these examples because they're personal and they're about people that are close to me. And, you know, you just don't know. But when you pray for somebody over and over and, and, and you think about it, I was, I was, I think I'll share one of them with you. I was with uh, my family and, and I was praying for one of my, I've been praying for one of my brothers and, and uh, we got there, uh, we were there and, and uh, he came over to the house where my folks live and I was there. And uh, he said, well, he was supposed to eat dinner with us. And it was kind of weird, really, to be honest with you, because I got really mad about something at my mother. This is a bad situation. And then 
It was time to eat, and it was time for me to pray. You, you know, like those situations, like you've just, I mean, I was really mad. I wanted to get out of there. And then it's time to pray. And that was like, that was like one of my best opportunities with my family is like, okay, let's pray. And we just, they just know that's what I'm going to say. We actually hold hands and we pray. And I pray. They don't ever pray. But I pray. And I, I pray about a few other things just rather than just the food, right? Well, I, you know. Anyways, I prayed and, and I really wasn't, wasn't up for it that well. But after the prayer, my brother, one of the ones that I've been praying for, he says, okay, you know, that's what I was waiting for, the prayer. <laughs> you know, I wanted, he said there was two things and I can't remember what the other one was. He said, I was waiting for this and I was waiting for that prayer. <laughs> you know, I, I felt horrible because, you know, my heart was like in another place. But, but people, you see, I've been just praying for them and I don't call them up and say, brother, I've got to tell you this. You know, maybe God will ask you to do that. I don't know. But if you've been praying for someone, then looking for those opportunities, and then they, they have a question, they, they might ask you. Or maybe they just want to hear you pray. I don't know. One more scripture, and we're going to have communion here. Paul says, let your conversation, your speech, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Grace, grace. Number one, God's grace is unmerited favor that he gives to you and I. And that's really why we come to the cross. That's where we end up at the cross. I hope, I hope you're challenged a little bit. Maybe you say, well, you know what? I don't really want to be prepared, but I think God wants you to be prepared. God, God wants each one of us to be prepared to know what we stand on. Why we stand on it. Communion. Well, first, let's just pray about that subject before we talk about communion. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for <clears throat> the grace that you give to us. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have saved us as we have called upon the name of Jesus. Father in heaven, we thank you that you've changed our hearts and you've also changed our future. That because of what Jesus did, and because we've trusted in that, we have a, a future that is very bright, and, and we have a hope of eternal life. We have a hope of heaven. And Father, I pray for each one of us that you'd give us those opportunities in this world to shine a little bit of that light. I pray that you'd give us boldness to, to speak, even when we're scared to death. I pray that you would... Uh, help us be prepared to, to let someone know, listen, I believe in Jesus Christ and, and this is why. I believe in Jesus and, and this is what he did. Father, help us, Lord. It's a lost and dying world all around us. People that are lost without any hope and without God in the world. Help us to be people of hope and people that share that hope, Lord. I want to pray right now, too, Lord, before we even talk about communion, Lord, that 
we would all be those that, that have settled that question, that we've, we have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And we have the hope of eternal life. Maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you need to right here today. You, you can. You've heard enough about Jesus today to make a, a decision that he came to this earth, that he died, that he died for your sin, that he rose from the dead, and that we can all trust in him. Maybe that's you, and you can simply call out to him right now in your heart and say, Dear Jesus, I, I'm lost I don't have any hope. I pray you'd give me hope. I pray you'd come into my life and be my Savior, be my Lord. I set apart you as Lord in my heart. I don't understand it all, but I've heard enough today to know that you love me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.